Today's episode is brought to you by Dairobi. Dairobi offers a range of functional supplements that can help you with your health and wellness goals. I interviewed Dave Sherwin, the owner of Dairobi, on today's episode, and it was interesting to discuss nutritional deficiencies and how their flagship products like Mimi's Miracle Multi and Mimi's Miracle Minerals are specifically designed to fill in nutritional deficiencies such as vitamins B, D, zinc, and chromium. Check them out at dirobi.com, that's D-I-R-O-B-I.com, and use the code LOSEIT10, that's L-O-S-E-I-T-1-0, to save an additional 10% off your order. Find these great products at dirobi.com, again, that's D-I-R-O-B-I.com, and use the code LOSEIT10 to save 10%. Losing weight to gain control. Today's episode, Living a Healthy Life with Dave Sherwin. Welcome to today's episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host. And today we have a special guest with us. We have Dave Sherwin. And Dave is a certified fitness nutrition coach, entrepreneur, and practitioner of mindfulness and meditation. His passion is helping grown-ups navigate real-world business and life challenges to achieve their best health and wellness at any age. He is also the creator and host of the Dairobi Health Show, which covers everything to do with health and wellness, including the latest in nutrition, exercise, supplements, and clinical studies. So Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. So uh, what I like to do is uh, to introduce you to the listeners is to kind of have, have you tell your story of did you struggle with your weight or was it came to a point where you're like, you know what? I just don't feel good about myself. I want to do something to change that. So what was your story? My story is, is much more from uh, a provider point of view. I have not really had a struggle with my weight. When I was a child, I was introduced to athletics. I was very backwards, shy, didn't have many friends, had very low self-confidence. And and I, I uh, was taller than some of the other kids, though. And I started playing basketball. And it was something I could do. And I never became a great basketball player. But it introduced me to health and fitness. And and through, um, through athletics, I gained a love of exercise and fitness. My interest and um, knowledge and education about weight loss came much later. I'm an entrepreneur. I've started and sold a variety of companies, uh, but I had a really bad catastrophic business failure in 2009. Went bankrupt. It was absolutely terrible. One of the worst financial things, well, by far the worst financial thing we've ever been through. We went from having a, a successful business to being bankrupt in six weeks. We were hacked. Uh, I, I've been in e-commerce since 2003, and, and we had a successful business that was hacked. And basically, we could never get anything turned back on. We couldn't provide products to our customers anymore. Uh, we couldn't run credit cards. We couldn't do anything. Lost the business. 
And as I went through that terrible failure, a good friend of mine said, Dave, why aren't you in the health space? You're always talking about supplements and exercise and fitness. That's what you love. Why don't you do it? And he said, a lot of Americans want to lose weight. Weight loss is the place to be. And so I came into it as a business person. I did a lot of research. I came up with a product and a diet and we launched it and it was incredibly successful, which is great. We were getting thousands of customers a month. And within six months, I had a better business than what had fallen apart. And that part was amazing. But then the testimonials started to come in. Then the, the problems started to come in. All the questions, you know, I, I have Hashimoto's. How do I adjust the diet for this? Um, I have a problem with my thyroid. I had my gallbladder removed. Uh, can I do this diet if fill in the blank? And mm -hmm. all of a sudden we were inundated with the real world problems of weight loss. And as someone who'd never really struggled with it, all of a sudden I had this huge epiphany. And first of all, my own judgments about people who had a hard time losing weight just went away because I had no idea. You know, mm -hmm. people who are naturally skinny and have been skinny, they don't know, they don't get it, right? <laughs> and unless you go through something like I did where all of a sudden you are immersed in the world of the real challenges that people go through from genetic issues to lifestyle, emotional, there are so many factors that go into it. And all of us as human beings have our own problems, right? Uh, where one person's outstanding and accomplishes something very easily, another person absolutely struggles and person A doesn't understand person B because they're like, hey, you should, this should be easy. Like, People outside of weight loss go, eat less food. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. It's way too simple of an answer for a very, very complex problem. So all of a sudden, it went from being a business for me to being a passion project, to being a, wow, I, I, I got to go beyond just selling stuff to people. And that's why I got a health certification and I studied weight loss and, and general fitness. And then- just more and more, really through the feedback of all of our customers, it drove the whole machine to developing processes that work. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, that it's, you know, not just the, and I know a lot of people say it's, it's calories in, calories out, what you burn. But like you said, if somebody has a thyroid issue, it's not that simple. Or if they have Hashimoto's or I have lupus, so I had to totally change the way I exercise, I had to re like redo the way I ate and everything because of the would affect my body. Plus, I have thyroid issues, so it was wow. it yeah. So it was kind of a process of uh, trying to figure out okay, what's going to work now? You know, what worked before isn't going to work for me now. But uh, I'm glad that you helped uh, individuals to to know that that you know you do have something that we just need to specialize it a little bit for you. Yeah. And, and for those of you listening who might be skeptical or who are thinking, no, no, this is just making excuses, whatever. Google this, Google the shift obesity diagram. Okay. And we won't go into it because it's a podcast, but I, I just throw it out there. The shift obesity diagram is based on the latest science and what it takes to lose weight. And when you see it, it is this complex chart with all of the factors. And there are dozens and dozens of factors to losing weight. They're interrelated and they, they cover everything from societal and emotional issues to how we were raised to 
issues like you brought up of having thyroid issues, Hashimoto's, lupus, you name it. Um, the various physical things that we, we can go through as human beings uh, that challenge us. And when you throw all this together on this diagram I'm describing, it looks like a bowl of spaghetti with like 50 different data points all in, interconnected. And so it's much more complex. Now, calories in, calories out, of course, is important. It's part of the equation. Uh, sooner or later, the laws of thermodynamics do kick in, but they don't always kick in in a way that makes sense. Uh, different foods affect people very differently. It's a very complex matter. Yeah. So one of the things that we talk about on the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast is not just the food and the exercise, because we all know what we need to eat. But uh, one thing we talk about is the mental uh, stuff that goes with weight loss also. Is that something that you help individuals that in your programs to deal with? Like you said, it's not just the food and the health, but it could be, you know, you're eating because you're dealing with certain things that happen to you in your life. That's a great point. And I'm not a psychologist, but I don't pretend to be. And I don't believe I can reach into anyone else's head and fix them. I'm screwed up enough myself. <laughs> I can't fix anyone else. But <laughs> sorry, what a terrible answer. But let me get to the positive side of that statement. Um, I am a firm believer in meditation. And I believe that Again, we are all screwed up somehow. I don't care who you are. <laughs> you got some. I agree. We all have nuts and bolts out of whack in some area of our life. And on top of that, weight loss is highly emotional. It's tied up into our body image. There can be feelings of shame. Uh, I know a lady who lost 100 pounds while she was away from home. She'd always been obese. Her family was obese. She went away to college and she learned to eat better and exercise and lost 100 pounds. And she was so excited to go home and see her mother. And she thought, oh, my mother's going to be so impressed with me. And she, the mother opened the door and this girl had been so excited for so long. And her mother said, oh, honey, you look sick. Come on in. Let me feed you. Oh. Okay. Now that story is being played out all over the country in one way or another, maybe not so brutal, but you see what I'm saying? You understand mm -hmm. these types of stories, right? So, so there, there's these kind of things going on, the effect of our family, our culture, whatever, right? All these things. Now, when you develop a practice of meditation, and I'm not talking about something really, really difficult. I'm not talking about becoming a monk um, or sitting for many hours on end, but I'm talking about developing a practice of just 10 to 20 minutes a day of sitting and meditating. And the skill that I feel like a lot of people learn is this separation where we learn over time to separate even from our own emotions. It's quite an interesting process to go through. And over time, we find that uh, we gain more control naturally through meditation. Yeah. And we start to be able to observe our emotions and observe our thought patterns in our own consciousness. And too, too many times we're too attached to our emotions, to our story. And half the time we're operating within it and we can't see outside of it. And I love the analogy of a busy road. Imagine, you know, you're on a freeway and you get a flat tire on the driver's side, right? Now, if there's five lanes of traffic rushing by you at 80 miles an hour, that can be horrific, right? And you get out there and you're trying to fix a tire and every second you're thinking your life could be over. Now, if the flat is on the other side of the car, it's a lot 
less painful, like mentally, because of course you have a car between you and the traffic, but now move a hundred feet from the road and you feel perfectly safe. You can't feel the wind anymore from the trucks. It's not near as noisy. And now go a mile away in a high rise and watch a freeway. And suddenly what is exactly the same experience is peaceful and beautiful and very slow looking. Those trucks that feel like, you know, you thought they were going to run you over any second while you're fixing your tire. It's the same truck, but from afar, it looks very, very slow. And that's my best example of what can happen internally after we develop a process or a, a habit of, of meditation. So that's really my best answer to that question. I think if you combine meditation and mindfulness with a good health regimen, that you can overcome things that maybe you weren't able to before. I, I like the way you put that using the flat tire. Uh, just in the last few weeks, I've had a lot of things going on. It's just, it's really big things. And I was oh, wow. talking to a friend about that and I told her I'm learning how to breathe. I have to breathe through the, through those uh, times and not run to food and just start putting a cookie or something in my mouth just to distract me. But I think being mindful, like you said, really helps with that. Now, one of the yeah. things that you, uh, that seems to be your specialty is sharing uh, health habits that you've identified. You, you said you have seven. So can you share maybe the top three with the listeners, the top three health habits that you've identified? Absolutely. Number one is drink water. There's just no substitute. If you're not drinking enough water, we all know our body's made of water. We all know, well, maybe not everyone knows that if you get just slightly dehydrated, that you're, you're mentally uh, less sharp. Not only that, you lose willpower. If you're dehydrated, you're much more likely to go grab that cookie and do emotional eating. If you're fully hydrated, your brain works at its best. Uh, you operate at your best. You eliminate properly. Your body systems can function. Corollary to that for weight loss is stop drinking calories. Now, it's okay to drink the odd you know, flavored drink. It's no one saying that it's none of these things are zero tolerance, by the way, I don't believe in zero tolerance in anything. I, I don't, I, I don't think that anyone, you know, should live in a world where they can't go to their friend's wedding and have a piece of cake. Okay. The problem is we can't have cake every day. We can't have, you know, we, we just have in our first world country, we tend to be spoiled. We can go to a fridge and grab whatever we want, whenever we want. Well, drinks are a big part of that problem. If I do a really hard workout, I might burn 300 calories. And guess what? A lot of drinks have 300 calories, effectively yeah. minimizing my workout, right? A Dr. Pepper has 240 calories, right? And that's a, that's a 12 ounce. That's not the big gulp. Yeah. <laughs> that is what most people get. So number one is drink water. If you think you already drink a lot of water, check yourself we tend to overestimate how well we're doing with our health habits. This is proven social science. Almost everyone says, oh, I drink a lot of water. So yeah, I believe you, but listen, I don't even trust myself in this area. I easily can go for 12 hours and can't even remember the last time I had to drink water. It's a constant thing we need to be working on all the time. And so I challenge people, well, just measure exactly how many ounces you drink for the next three days and let's talk then. And a lot of times people are then surprised. So they think they were drinking a lot, but in actual fact, from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to bed, they often haven't drank as much as they should. 
Number two is eat all your food slowly and mindfully. We already talked about being mindful in our general life. Well, that's really true with just eating. Now, believe it or not, how we eat is more important than what we eat. And our stomach is not a hole where food drops into and then just gets digested and you know all the nutrients go into the bloodstream to where they need to be. Our stomach is made of folds. And those folds work kind of slowly and methodically, and they work the food through, and they pull out the proteins and the carbs and break it down into sugars, and they do their thing with enzymes and stomach acids. But the process takes time. And when we eat too quickly, we overload our stomach. And also the ghrelin, the hormone that determines when we're full, is not a perfect, like a machine. It's a little bit slow in how it works. So it doesn't send the full signals to the brain till it's about 20 minutes too late. So when we eat quickly, we eat too much. Studies have shown that people who eat slowly eat 20% less food. And for many, many people, Gwen, eating 20% less food over a period of time does wonders for the weight loss challenge, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we're saying is if you eat slowly, it could change everything for you. You're still eating the same delicious foods that you love, but eating them slowly means you eat less and you enjoy the food more and your stomach gets to operate properly. So less bloating, less gas, less stomach pain, better ingestion, better outgestion, I guess yeah. we could say. Because <laughs> we need all those systems to work correctly to be fully fit, right? So the water combined with the eating slowly and mindfully helps us to be regular and get all the nutrients out of our food. And number three is intermittent fasting. Now I'm sure all of your listeners have heard of intermittent fasting. I'm a huge fan of keeping it very, very simple, which is generally to eat all your food within about an eight hour window and particularly stop eating after dinner. Now, if intermittent fasting doesn't float your boat or you just think you can't do it for whatever reason, just try this. Just try to have a hard stop after dinner and don't eat another thing. Because what happens, not only do we have a lot of, of um, problems in our country with metabolic syndrome. You've mentioned some of the conditions people have. Um, you know, many people, we, we are a carb addicted society, diabetes, all kinds of problems, right? And we also have a sleep deprived society. A lot of people have sleep problems, more than half. Well, when you stop eating after six, let's just pick six o'clock, okay? Because a lot of people can be done eating by six, maybe seven at the latest. When you stop eating, your stomach gets to go ahead and digest that food properly before you go to bed. As it's doing that, the melatonin is rising, the hormone that makes us drowsy. As we sleep, if we haven't eaten since six o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., our body's done digesting the food. Now, our body spends most of its energy digesting food and running our brain. Two very important things. Once the food is digested, then it's replenishing our brain our muscles from hopefully the exercise we did that day, the hormones are resetting. When we wake up in the morning, our body has had a chance to get rid of all the carcinogens, pathogens, and toxins that were in it. Instead of digesting food, it gets to go to work cleansing, you see? Now in the morning, we're in an optimal state for exercise and for doing our best, most productive work. Our estrogen, HGH and testosterone are all high. And this is true for men and women. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people think testosterone is the male thing and estrogen is the female thing. And 
For the most part, that's true. Women have more estrogen and men have more testosterone, but we both have both and they both have to be in balance, right? And when we wake up in the morning, they're both high, which is a great state. And our HGH is high and our blood sugar is low. And this is why we tend to feel really good in the morning. And that's just accentuated if we stopped eating early the day before. So now we exercise, we plan our day, we meditate, right? We do all those important things. I advise people in your work to do your most important work, your most important project first thing in the morning, because your brain is firing at its best, right? Now, by the time you eat that first meal, let's say it's at 10 o'clock in the morning, your body has just had a break from digestion. It's been able to process all that food. This helps with weight loss as well, of course. So those are my top three. Drink a lot of water and reduce drinking calories. Eat slowly and mindfully and eat all your food in an eight-hour window. And if people just did those three, I think they could have remarkable uh, health results and improvements. No, I, I agree with you on that. I, have uh, like I mentioned earlier, changed some things about the way I, I eat and turn some things around. And I was telling a friend about it, how I feel better in the morning. Like I, I started to wait a little bit before I eat breakfast. Cause I used to eat breakfast at like seven 30 in the morning. Now I kind of wait until about nine, nine 30 before I have something and I'm okay. I'm not hungry. And so I right? felt like I've been forcing myself to eat because I thought, well, I'm going to get really hungry later, but I don't, it, it's, it's just great. And like you said, when I eat slower, it just seems like Actually, I leave food on the plate, which is strange for me. I feel strange because I grew up uh, in a culture of you eat everything that's on that plate. You don't leave yeah. anything. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of us uh, are, tra- are taught in, you know, in America, you eat it all, you know, especially if you yeah. went out and paid for it, you need to eat it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to share three things. Three seems to be my number today. Three things that you've learned from helping individuals with weight loss. Like what's the main three things that you seem that people either struggle with or as a challenge or that seems that everybody deals with? The first one is kind of what what I said earlier. And to sum it up is that weight loss can be challenging. Let's just face it. Let's just own it. It can be hard. It can be the cross this you have to bear, whoever you is that's listening. If weight loss is like your hardest fitness thing to achieve, it's okay to go, you know what? It's not just me. Weight loss is tough. We live in a society that's almost conspiring to work against our weight loss. Everywhere we go, you know, how often do we go to an event where they're just serving vegetable trays with a healthy dressing, right? A healthy dip of somewhere, right? Everywhere we go, it's like this, it's like our society is conspiring to work against our weight loss plan. Now, now that, that's number one. Number two is I think some people have all or nothing mentality where they picture themselves either with six pack abs or overweight. And, and, and we can tend to have too high of a, of a goal. And, uh, and of course your goal is up to you personally, all of you listening, I'm not trying to talk you out of having a lesser goal, but it is wise to think through what works for me. Like what is your ideal weight loss? Because I'm sorry, your, your, your ideal weight This is something a lot of people never really think about. Now, I can give you some ideas. Uh, First of all, you do not have to have six-pack abs to be healthy. As a matter of fact, many people with six-pack abs are not healthy. Uh, Many of them are sick very often. Many of them have uh, too low body fat. Women who get under 14% body fat can have problems with their period and other hormonal disruption. And so 
sometimes what the media sells us on a perfect body is not a perfect body. Um, the American Heart Association says that we can be very healthy with up to about 20 pounds overweight. Okay. So if we imagine our, our perfectly lean frame, right. Uh, which almost no one has. Right. But, um, but we imagine it sometimes. Right. And, and imagine it being 20 pounds overweight. They tell us that our under 20 pounds overweight, our, our chance of heart disease is very, very low. Uh, we know that our chance of other, you know, metabolic syndrome and things like that uh, are very low if we can get with under 20 pounds. So if we've been to our doctor and our doctor says, you know, you ought to lose 40 pounds. Well, maybe we need to lose 20. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, so it makes it seem more attainable. It's not that, that thing that's all the way out there that I'm, it's going to take, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'll be able to achieve it. I think so. Um, and for those of you listening, I, I hope I'm not explaining this in a way that is negative or there, there's a piece of content on precisionnutrition.com called the cost of getting lean. If you just Google it, if you Google precision nutrition, cost of getting lean, I bet many, many people listening to your podcast, Grant, would find that to be totally eye-opening, to be a breath of fresh air in regards to setting weight loss goals, and also for setting real-world understanding of what it means to be healthy after, you know, our 20s. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that, that would be number two. And the next one is a lot of people uh, in the health space are constantly mocking yo-yo dieters, right? We've all heard the term, oh, that's just a yo-yo diet, or she's just a yo-yo dieter. He's just a yo-yo dieter. Well, what I've learned, Gwen, is that a lot of people who are very good dieters have discipline. They're not okay. undisciplined people. They understand nutrition quite well. Like you, you said that at the top of the interview, they understand fitness quite well. And so a lot of times these people have a skill set. But this is what I've learned is that the skill set of dieting is different than the skill set of maintaining a healthy lifestyle. You see, the, the discipline to set a date, okay, I'm going to lose that 20 pounds. I'm going to start on the first of next month. I'm going to get a workout partner and we're going to go to the gym and I'm going to do the Mediterranean diet, for example. Now, setting a goal, setting a date, cleaning the junk out of the pantry, buying the Mediterranean food and getting started, all of that requires skill, discipline, planning. Those are all great things. I think what we want to encourage people to do, though, is take those skills of planning, et cetera, and instead work it into a simple daily strategy that they can do that's not necessarily dieting. Instead, they could, um, first of all, ask the question, what am I going to do when the diet's over? Do you know a lot of people can't answer that question? And... Now, now, by the way, and I want to say this, in case, I don't want to forget this. My answer to that is on our website at dirobi.com. We've created a PDF called the Dirobi Undiet. And that's what we created it for, is we're trying to get people on our diet to shift from dieting to lifestyle after they've done the diet. And so there's a 10-page PDF you can get, and that's, that's uh, free on our website. 
But that's my answer. Now, it may not be the answer for everybody. I get that. You mentioned my seven things. Well, you know, I only mentioned three of the seven. And those seven things are my answer. And that's how I live. It's what I do. Uh, and maybe other people, it might be a little different. Or maybe they tweak it. Maybe it is the Mediterranean diet. I don't know. But sooner or later, if you can make the shift from being some uh, professional dieter to taking the skills you've learned, but finally kind of sitting back, slowing down, making a list of the foods you love and starting to buy. Because again, Gwen, this is the other thing. Many people think that a healthy lifestyle is a restrictive, boring, tedious lifestyle without good food. That is not true. It's not true at all. There, there isn't a person on this planet that I can't sit down with and spend some time. Saying, what foods do you like? And 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 we can we can come up with the list and we can come up with the treats that they can eat. But we just have to talk about not having too many. And if you're a binge eater, how could we address that? And and what tools are out there to help with that issue? And how can we create a situation in which? You love what you eat for breakfast and you eat it slowly and mindfully and you enjoy every single bite, right? So we're not talking about restrictive. What we're talking about is finding a path that you can run on that works for you. It's no one else's, it's your own. And then filling your pantry and your fridge with the right foods and finding the exercise that you love. Who cares what anyone else thinks? And, and, and finding the path that you enjoy and that helps you live your healthy lifestyle. No, I love that. Um, there, I do have a subtitle to my podcast. It's losing weight to gain control, loving your weight maintenance journey, because that was one of the things I had to realize years ago when I was like, I, what do I need to do different is I kept thinking of the short term, like I'm going to lose this weight by this date. And then it was like, well, what, what's after that? Um, so yeah, I had to change my mindset. And also, like you said, the, the, changes I made to my food, I, I looked for better recipe, like healthier recipes of my favorite foods. And I realized when I cooked everything, I didn't want as much. So instead mm-hmm. of buying a lot of processed food, which I'm not against processed food, but it just seemed that uh, it just filled me up better. You know, I felt better. So I didn't need as much. And that's what I usually encourage everybody like, hey, you know, just find, get on Pinterest. I mean, we have all you have the internet there to find, you know, if you like hamburgers, what's, you know, what's a leaner meat you can use or how to season it, that it tastes good or vegetables, what kind of seasoning can you put on that to help it taste better? So it can be, it can be a good thing. Yeah. And I love what you just said right there. That's really what it takes. And what you just said, very few people have done. And so everyone listening, if you just take that right there, if you just say, you know what, instead of a diet, I'm just going to do what Gwen just said. I'm going to go to Pinterest. I'm going to find out healthy meals that I like. Don't don't find healthy meals that you should eat. Yeah. Don't find a, a celery smoothie because someone said that the celery smoothie is the ultimate thing ever. It sounds disgusting. Find something that's delicious to you. There's plenty of delicious food out there that you can put together your own list of healthy breakfasts, healthy lunches, healthy dinners, and eat food you enjoy. Yeah. Uh, one of the things it seems like you you're, you're that your specialty is also is talking about supplements. Um, I I have um, like I've had lab tests because I have lupus, and so they they said you're anemic. I was like okay, um, so I have to you know what get up my iron intake. And I noticed when we finally got that under control, boy, I felt a whole lot better. I didn't realize how 
tired I always was. And, you know, um, but I never had any tests like that where they, you know, tested that to see what my levels were of certain, you know, things in my body like that. Uh, how do you help individuals to find out what type of supplements that they might need? Because I, I mean, we, you know, you might be deficient in something. Two answers. One is test. You just nailed it on the head. You didn't know what you didn't know. I mean, how do we reach in our own blood and know what we're deficient in, right? Yeah. We don't, but doc, you know, there's professionals that do. For those of you listening, you can go to Amazon. I don't know if you guys know this, but you can go to Amazon and search nutritional deficiency tests, and there's tons of them. I, didn't I get know that. one. Yeah, yeah. I get one every year. I have for five years, and it's data, not dogma, right? I, I, we have doctors out there telling people, oh, you don't need health supplements. I, I'm like, really? You're a doctors are supposed to be scientists, right? I'm like, why are you show me the blood work? Show me your blood work. Okay. People don't have to supplement. Really? How come 76% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D? How come most, how come most people are deficient in zinc and, and chromium, right? We are, we know this from blood, blood work. So first of all, forget what anyone's told you about supplements, uh, whether you, you need them or not. And instead get a test done. Yeah. It's not that expensive. Now you, your part, your question was two part. One is how do we help people with that? Well, and that's my first answer. Now, a lot of people just aren't going to do that. Now um, I'm going to show you, get, do show and tell here. So this is one of our products is called Mimi's Miracle Multi. I don't know how well you can see that yeah, there, but, I can see but because of these nutritional tests have been going on for mm, large still, probably about six years, I would say, um, that, that a lot of people have been getting them done. More and more data has been published. And so now we have the data on hundreds of thousands of people and what they're deficient in. And that's how we developed this product. We just said, <laughs> what are most people deficient in? And we developed a product that addressed it. And the next is minerals. Uh, so so there's, vitamins and minerals are the basic building blocks. Um, our trace minerals, this is our uh, Mimi's Miracle Minerals, and these two together are our core su uh, supplements, vitamins and minerals. Now, most people are aware of that, that vitamins and minerals make up the basis of a good supplement strategy. So that's what we designed these to do. Our trace mineral product has over 76 trace minerals in it. And then the, the vitamin product just has those things that people are most likely to be deficient in, as well as a few things for energy and weight loss. So 16 ingredients total. Most multivitamins have many, many ingredients, but they're tiny little pills that just won't do the job. So part of the trick of the supplement industry is effectiveness. Most supplements are designed to sell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're not designed, uh, I hate to say it, and, and, and I, should, I shouldn't paint the whole industry with a broad brush because I know many people that have phenomenal supplements, uh, but there's also those who are selling bottles of stuff that don't even have what it says they have in the bottle. We have third-party labs testing our product on a regular basis um, uh, to prove efficacy and what's in there is in there. And so, and by the way, that's something you can ask any good supplement company. People do ask us, some people know this, it's called COAs, Certificates of Analysis. I can provide these to anyone on request uh, who asks uh, for them. Uh, to sell on Amazon, we have to have them and we provide them to Amazon. And I don't know if a lot of people know that, but Many supplements have been pulled from Amazon uh, in the last few years. 
some of them, unfortunately, are quite good ones that were pulled inadvertently. You know, it's kind of like you got to break, uh, what was it? You got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Yeah. Uh, the supplement industry has been such a disaster in so many ways that there's some pretty good products that have been pulled too. But overall, su- the supplement industry is getting better. The regulation is getting better. And these are things you can look for and ask about if you're going to buy supplements. But start with the basics, a good vitamin and mineral product. From there, what you said, I think is critical. You had a professional do an analysis and tell you what you specifically needed. In your case, it was iron. For other people listening, it it could be something else. Um, It could be a combination of things. Um, It could be allergies and getting rid of certain foods. So there's a variety of things that happen when we become our own personal experiment and kind of get testing done. I would say at least get your yearly physical. Too many people don't get yeah. a yearly physical. I'm There's a big a wealth advocate of information. Of yeah. Yeah, me too. So, so, so for me, supplements start there. Uh, we are our own best science experiment and um, we know we need vitamins and minerals. I eat very healthy. I have a very healthy diet. And yet if I don't supplement, I'm deficient in things. So like I said, I've been doing blood work for, uh, I think this is, I think the last test I did was my sixth one in a row. Um, and, and luckily in my own products, I'm never deficient in those things. So that's cool. Um, that's good. And, and I don't, and I don't always take supplements. I'll give you an example. There's trace minerals. That's what this is a trace mineral. But a lot of people don't understand that trace minerals are different than macro minerals. Okay. I, I advise taking a trace mineral supplement, but I, I advise to avoid for the most part, macro minerals. Like for example, we need trace calcium. We also need about a gram of normal calcium from our diet every day. Much better to get that from greens and salad, for example, than from a honking big calcium pill. It's just not the same thing. In my last test, I was I was uh, a little bit deficient in potassium, and so I've been making sure I eat a banana every single day. And so I asked my wife, my wife does the shopping in our house for the most part. Sometimes I go do it, but she tends to go out and get the food and say, hey, could you make sure we always have bananas? Uh, Selenium, I was deficient in selenium and that's found in cashews. I love nuts. And so I'm making sure I eat a few nuts every single day. So this is the way I do it. And it's the way I advise to do it is to take the basic supplements, get your testing done, and then try as much as possible to change your results through diet. Yes. I'm, I'm like I said, I, I'm glad you said that kind of rear it. Cause I tried to, I did a episode on supplements, but I'm not an expert. So my go-to was, you know, make sure you talk to your doctor, uh, you know, make sure the supplements that you are purchasing or legitimate. You, you, like today you can check almost anybody's uh, website to see, like you said, if they are, you know, what do you put in here? How much of whatever you say in this product is actually in it. So it's, I think it's a little easier today to be able to research that. And I didn't know that about Amazon uh, with their supplements either. They've really cracked down about the last, I'd say three years, Uh, four years ago, you could buy some real junk on Amazon. You really could. It was shocking. Um, And since then they've really cracked down. And so Amazon, frankly, may be a better place to buy supplements than you know, Walmart, for example, I hate to call it an actual company name, but the fact is that attorney generals have actually called Walmart on the carpet for supplement sales of stuff that didn't have in the bottle what it said on the label. And so there there have been some fairly 
famous examples of poor quality supplements being sold even by major uh, brands. So Amazon, uh, to their credit, has really raised the bar on supplement sellers for, for uh, efficacy and quality and proving what's in their bottles. Well, Dave, I think this has been a, a very enlightening episode. I mean, I, I've learned a lot. When I go back and listen again, I'm going to have to take some notes on some things. But before we leave today, I always like to ask that you give some words of encouragement to the listeners and then also let them know where they can find you either on social media, website, or you know, where they can find your podcast. Absolutely. Well, words of encouragement. I, I'm going to go back to the meditation. I, I'm not just a meditator. I, I love the whole world of it. I I listened to Jack Cornfield and Sam Harris and all the, you know, the um, uh, Sharon Salzberg and all of the kind of current podcasters in the mindfulness and meditation space. And I find it very uplifting. And, you know, one of the things, again, we find when we, when we meditate is, is that uh, we all have a self-image of ourselves and, and often it's just wrong, right? Like, uh, you know, are, are we our body really? Does our body define us? You know, of course you want to be fit. I want to be fit. You want to be fit. We want to be the best that we can be. But that's it, not really who we are. Like, why do we want to be fit? Why do we want to reach our goals? It's for our life, right? And so it, it's because we perceive we'll have a higher quality life because we experience all of our life through our body. And so I guess I just say that as much as I love health and fitness, I love health and fitness for the why for my family, for my grandchildren, uh, that I, I want to live a long, healthy life. And I want to be as independent and healthy and strong and fit as long as I possibly can, because I love life, right? It's not because I want to be an Instagram influencer. I couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. It's not because I want to take photos on the beach of, yeah. of myself and how, how ripped I am, right? It's not, that's not it. it, it it's about having a meaningful, healthy, fulfilling, awesome life. And of course we can't do that uh, when, you know, we're not at our best physically. And again, what does it mean to be at our best physically? We got to take into account the genes we were given, the cards we've been dealt, maybe the accidents or chronic situations that have happened along the way. And we have to just take all of it and go, okay, this is what I got, but what can I do to have the best possible health with what I got so that I can live an abundant life. And, and also how can they, where can they find you uh, online or on social media? Yeah. Dairobi.com is the best place. And I mentioned that one resource. So we actually have a lot of other great free resources on our resources page. So if you go to D I R O B I.com and go to our resources page, and of course, check out our products. I'd love to have you try out any of our products while you're there, but there's several free downloads there. Uh, for your listeners, I think the Dairobi 10-page PDF book is probably the, the best thing we have to offer there because it, it gives you more in-depth of everything we've talked about and answers the question of that lifestyle. Like, how do I live in a way that I can enjoy food and have a good regimen that works for me and helps me reach my fitness goals without counting calories, <laughs> without weighing food, without feeling deprived or unsatiated or feeling like I got to, you know, live this hermit or yeah. kind of, you know, life that isn't that enjoyable. So that's probably the best thing that I, I have to offer over there for free anyway. Well, thank you again. And I think you offered a lot to help the listeners today. Thanks so much, Gwen. It's been fun. 
The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views of any guest on the podcast are their own. The host of this podcast is not a medical doctor, nurse, or health professional. You should consult with your doctor, nurse, or health professional before you begin any weight loss or maintenance or exercise program.